Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Ignorance Is This, a podcast all about a different way of experiencing cinema, with little to no knowledge about it beforehand. My name is Scott Martin, and with me is the quicker picker-upper, Oliver Deer. You watch me walk around rooms, and you see me pick things up real quick. Yep, it's what you do best. You come into my room, and you see how clean it is. It's Mm. because it's not clean before you get in, but when you do walk in, it is clean because I've been so quick. Yeah. And that's why up. that's why I let you hang out at my house all the time because I don't want to clean my room and you just come in quickly pick everything up. Yep. And and it's clean uh like it like a brand new um like hospital. A brand new <laughs> like a brand new microwave oven. Yeah. Oh. Brought to you by <laughs> the good people at Panasonic. <laughs> yeah. Great. Hello, how Scott. are you how hi, are you hi. today? I'm very good. We're at opposite ends of the globe today. Mm-hmm. Me in my area of Australia, you a bit south in your area of Australia. Yeah, complete opposite because, ends of the globe, yes. But we don't travel anywhere else, so to us that is our world. Yeah, true. And um, we are attempting to do another episode of Iggy's far away from each other, which has only proved to work 0% of the times in terms of audio. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's see if we got it right this time. There's there's a winning formula here somewhere, and we will get it. Yeah, but yeah, it'll take sixty nine times, but it'll nice. it'll eventually be nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I've had a thought this week, Scott. Yes. Okay. Bit, I would like to yep. hear about what is happening in your brain. Just introducing a mini new segment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Always like to have. I like to call things where where I can like where I can put a title over this thought. I like to just make it a new segment, like a sub-segment. Yeah, so cool. So it's called, it's called Devil's Advocate. I'm on board with and it's, that. Um, where, because me and you, ha- like, we love the same things most of the time. Yeah. Except except when we don't. Mm. <laughs> um, and we get real fired up when we don't. Yeah. But otherwise, we have a pretty similar taste in um, flims. Um, <laughs> yep. But, but sometimes I, I want to throw you... Under the bus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to show the audience how I want to see yeah, I want to demonstrate to the audience whether or not you can um defend films you love. Okay. Or films or films that you hate by giving you the contrarian point of view mm. to yours. So you are a renowned scholar of the movie Psycho now, by Alfred Hitchcock. First off, yes, I literally would classify myself as a scholar considering all of my university papers mentioned Psycho in some form or another. But yep. first, can before we get into the segment, can you give me a theme song? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, uh, da-na-na, the flames are getting higher. Dun-dun-dun, the devil's getting louder. Dun-dun-dun, he's speaking on your left shoulder. And he's giving you his opposite point of view to yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I made sure to be very quiet during that theme song so that we could use it in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right. I like so it. Devil's Advocate, the segment. Yeah. All right. So I found a review online from... Um, it's actually from the time that Psycho was released. It was from a newspaper. 1960. Yes, 90s. Yep. There we go. He's already got his scholarly knowledge, knows the years and dates. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this first sentence from the review, I didn't I've just included some of the segments you can maybe talk on not not the whole thing. Mhm. But so this keep in mind that this is from the time that Psycho was released and getting hype. Okay. So, okay. it says 
A new film by Alfred Hitchcock is usually a keen enjoyment. Psycho turns out to be an exception. Oh, you want me to respond to that? You can. I just thought that was a good opening line for yeah. you to okay. talk about. Well, um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as only have ever seen one Alfred Hitchcock film in my life, um, I can tell you that it's not an, an exception. It's actually the only good one I've ever seen. So <laughs> yeah. immediately you're wrong there. The Guardian yeah. or whichever <laughs> publication this is. Yeah. Okay, so he goes on to say, Psycho is not a long film, but it feels long. Perhaps because the director dawdles over technical effects, perhaps because it is difficult, if not impossible, to care about any of the characters. Oh. Uh... Do you care about Marion? She dies halfway through. Spoilers for Psycho. I'm sure everyone knows about that. Uh, it's it, That is difficult because it's not a big death at the end of the film or whatever. Yeah. You, the kind of the whole point is the only... There's no character from beginning to end that is, like, the main character from beginning to end. You meet Norman yeah. halfway through. You meet Marion the first half. And then even characters like Sam that are the first, like, you know, the first person that you see and is one of the last people you see um, is only, like, in there sporadically. Yeah. So, but, you st- but I would still argue that that makes it even, you know, the filmmaking aspect even better because you do care about all of these characters especially Norman and Marion, even though you don't get to see them from start to finish. Yeah. I think as well, because even if you don't consider Marion to be that strong of a character, because she is, you know, she's only there for half of the film. She's still a character, obviously. Yeah. Like she has, she has traits that you can name. Um, But also like, even if you don't necessarily care about Norman from the sense you, you care for him and you want him to succeed, you care that he, you know, is stopped. Or you, yeah. So you do care for his character. You care what happens to the character, even if that's not um, him being, yeah, him succeeding. You want him to be stopped by the by the other protagonists. Yeah, that's right, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that point's stupid in the article. <laughs> we've got it. We've we've got him there. Um, Confirmed stupid. <laughs> from our point of view, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so he, he goes on to say, The stupid air of mystery and portent surrounding Psycho's presentation strikes me as a tremendous error. So this is in referring to the way Hitchcock would, like, he, he, do, he you know, how he took all the books off the shelf and he didn't want anyone to know what happened in it. Yeah. So he, the, the person here is saying the mystery is stupid or as or an error. And he said, The manager of this theatre has been instructed at the risk of his life not to admit any persons after the picture starts. By the way, after you see Psycho, don't give away the ending. And that's what Hitchcock said. Uh-huh. And then the the reviewer said, I couldn't give away the ending if I wanted to, for the simple reason that I grew so sick and tired of the whole beastly business that I didn't stop to see it. Your, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> your, your edict may keep me out of the theatre, my dear Hitchcock, but I am hanged if it will keep me in. Whoa. <laughs> that's intense. Get this guy <laughs> yeah. on the set. Because yeah. he is a creepy, creepy person. <laughs> so he's saying that he can't talk about the element of mystery because he doesn't know how it ends because he didn't even get to the ending. <laughs> That's the best bit. You know, yeah. of course you don't care about Norman because you don't know the twist at that point. I get the sense that this person is an idiot who didn't like gore. Yeah, sure. They're, they're saying they grew tired of the whole beastly business. But to say and- as well that you don't care for the mystery. Like, yeah. would you prefer to have known about the mystery? Hmm. 
and and, so, and they did the they whole didn't stay for the ending. Yeah, and the whole oh well, can you believe this guy wanting people to watch the film from the very beginning until the very end? No ins or outs. Like yeah. yes, because <laughs> it's integral. <laughs> and the fact that you left meant that you were not part of the integral aspect, which is that you need to see the ending. Yeah, this guy what sucks. Is- yeah, he does suck. That's that's why I was like hesitant to give this one to you because I was like, this guy sucks. What's <laughs> this his guy? What's, what's his, his Twitter handle? Like, I gotta yell at him. <laughs> probably like, yeah, I don't know. He was probably dead, but yeah. Rest in peace, reviewer. Um, but um, so it's interesting to see that review from the time and how that review doesn't really hold up with the public view of the film today. Yes, and I sure. Thought, I thought, why don't we keep with that trend? And I'm going to give you another film. And it's also kind of funny to see how it was viewed at the time through okay. this review. You mean right so this now? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a movie you don't like. Sorry, just quickly, before we get on to the, other, the second half of this bit, yeah. it would be very interesting if he ever did a follow-up review after seeing the ending and after like gathering his thoughts. Because yeah. like whenever there is a very controversial review on anything it's um like the most requested thing not like hey go review this new thing it's re-review the thing and we'll check to see whether you realize the error of your ways yeah so it'll be interesting to see if he ever did something like that like a lot of people want anthony fantano the needle drop on youtube to re-review my beautiful dark twisted fantasy (laughs) by kanye west because he gave it a notorious six out of ten yeah um where it is literally a flawless album don't at me um, and like he, that's all he gets like nailed for is like just re-review it. We want to see if you've become better with taste. Yeah. But he like at this point now, I think for him, it's like a personal stance where he's like, "No, nope, screw ya. Yeah, can't be bothered." <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, it's interesting to see whether this person would have just jumped on the like the bandwagon of the time where like I know a lot of people were disgusted by Psycho when they first saw it. Mm-hmm. So, tell me if you think this reviewer is jumping on the bandwagon. This is a review for Avatar. Oh. You know what? Not, not The Last Airbender, but Avatar the movie by sure. James Cameron. A so movie, a movie I, I don't like. Yeah. yeah. So, this is a good, uh, positive review with some positive um, things to say about it. You tell me your contrarian view. Sure. Let's see if so, I remember my thoughts on Avatar, a movie that came out in what, 2009 <laughs> that I've not thought about once since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if you can remember anything. Yeah. But uh, okay. It says, Avatar is not simply a sensa- sensational entertainment, although it is that. It's a technical breakthrough. It has a flat out green and anti-war message. It is predestined to launch a cult. All of those things I agree with until the very end. Yeah, because it's notoriously has no cultural impact. <laughs> yes, no, that, yeah, that is, that is my main problem with Avatar. The fact yeah. that it was the biggest movie to ever exist at one point and nobody cares about it is such, like, that is amazing and mind-boggling. Yeah, I think it's because, like, the world building just wasn't that good. It was just like, hey, there's aliens on a planet and they interact with the nature. Sure. But like and there's, you, there's no, you're not asking any questions like, oh, how do they do this and how do they do, they do that? You're not, there's no mystery behind yeah. like how, they, how this society works. And away from just the character designs, like with something like Harry Potter, you've got all these props that you can go out and make and yeah. and switch out. Like you've got like the different wands and cloaks and you can have like magical 
esque cloaks, and you can say this is designed, you know, with Harry Potter inspiration in mind. But with yeah. Avatar, it's just blue with like some like darker blue stripes and a tail, yeah. and all the other stuff around it was just like big trees and really interesting character designs of like the other animals on the planet. But you can't go out and like make that and present that at like conventions like you can with Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's it just kind of died away. Yeah, blue people in a forest. Like the the environment isn't that. Well, I mean, I guess it was in the sense, oh, we've never seen floating mountains in a movie. Yeah. But you have in video games, you have in other mediums, perhaps. and, and so I, I do think the eventual Avatar 2 is going to have more, like, stuff that you can hold so that people yeah. can, like, make things that they can hold and take them to cons and whatnot. Yeah, there will be more world building and A bit more actual intri- intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's, here's just some other points from the review. At 63 minutes, the film doesn't feel too long. It contains so much. The human stories, the Na'vi stories, for the Na'vi are also developed as individuals. Do you remember any of the characters? No. (laughs) I remember the... There's one Na'vi that I remember, and I remember Sam Worthington. I remember Sam Worthington Na'vi. I remember the girl Na'vi. Yeah. And I remember... Uh, the guy that you thought was good and it turns out he's a prick. I remember when I saw Avatar for the first time, I was intrigued by the, the humans are the baddies. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's cool. The humans are the baddies. But like, even in the trailers and the way they present it, it was like, this is a peaceful, loving world. I wasn't surprised by it. But I was just like, hey, it's cool that they're showing like people in like big mech suits are the baddies and stuff. You know what, I don't remember the, any of the other Na'vi characters, but I'd be willing to go on the record and say, I bet there's a character of oh, the yeah. Na'vi. Oh, yes. Right? Where he's like this other dude Na'vi, and he initially doesn't like Sam Worthington, because he's like, <laughs> you're not like a normal Na'vi. And also, he's like protective of the girl Na'vi. Yeah. And in the end, he comes to like Sam Worthington. <laughs> I, reckon, <laughs> I reckon you're on the money. <laughs> I reckon that's a character. I I don't I can't tell you if you're right or not, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you would be. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Right. I think this is the final line of the thing. Oh yeah, they look like specific persuasive individuals. This is in reference to the Navi. Yet sidestep the eerie uncanny valley effect. No. Do you both, think No, I disagree with both of those things. Yeah. What do they cuz I know it does when you go back to look at that, it doesn't look as good as you remember it. Is that, is that right? Because I, I have not looked at it since 2009. I do... I disagree that they all look like individuals. Maybe one of them would have, like, a different length hair or have different colour hair or, like, a tail is, like, split into two rather than just one or whatever. But yeah. that doesn't justify them. Like, I still just think of the Na'vi as the girl Na'vi. Yeah, right. And... I, I can't distinguish any other ones. And I, I, I don't I know I don't know about it. Uncanny Valley, but kind of... Kind of, you know? They, I don't think they get to Uncanny Valley because their faces aren't exactly human. They have larger eyes and their noses are squashed. Right. Oh, like Voldemort squashed? Yeah. Cool. Pretty much. So, like, they don't, they're not trying to look human, I guess. But if you do look at it, the animation looks a bit, like, video gamey. Yeah. yeah, and also, <laughs> and also, it looks like a small fairy that like follows you around and is just like a like a white, you know, speck on your screen. Oh yeah, like Navi. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Thanks, guys. 
So, do you think we can tread this uh, this review? We at devil advocated this man. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, do you know? Would sucks. you like to know who the reviewer was? N- oh no, because you're gonna. It's gonna be someone. Else. Is it Anthony Fantano? <laughs> no. <laughs> who is it? That was Roger Ebert. Oh, okay. Notoriously yeah. respected it reviewer. Yeah. Yep. So he he didn't call that it was predestined to watch a cult. He referred to it as being very similar to a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings, that it was going to spawn a massive um, following. Well, it but, has uh, technically, because James Cameron has a lot of money and there are going to be four more of them or something. I think I think he's forcing there to be a, yeah. a following. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there I don't, is. No one, no right one is, like, begging for, a, for an Avatar 2. It is nearly 10 years later. Yeah. That is crazy. Is is it being re- is the second one being released this year? No. Okay, so it, it will be over 10 or more years later that the second one will be released. Late crazy. 2020 as well. 11 years later. Mm. No one would have thought that. Sam Worthington <laughs> is so happy because <laughs> yeah. he's done nothing else. <laughs> he's like, oh, God, save me from Terminator Salvation fame. <laughs> Wasn't he in Hacksaw Ridge? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was good in that, actually. Mm. Everyone was great in Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Um, that's a good little segment, Ollie. I like that segment. Thanks, man. I, I, thought, I thought it would be good for you to flex your debating skills and your getting mad at people who don't agree with you skills. Yeah. Am I, <laughs> am I debating or am I just saying an opinion a lot? <laughs> um, I guess opinions. It's mostly opinion-based. You can't... Yeah. Specific. You can't, you know, call a movie the best or worst movie. It's all up to everyone's... Although... There is considered the worst movie, and it, there's a general consensus Ooh. behind what that is. Do you like my segue? Yeah, that's really... Yeah, you did really well there. Good stuff. Anyway, we're talking about... Um, Terminator 3. Yeah, damn it. I was trying to think of a, a crap film. <laughs> oh, I dropped the ball. Oh, I was trying to think of something you liked. Crap. Anyway, I should have just said Psycho. Damn it. Okay. Um, anyway, we're moving on to the movie we watched this week. What did we watch? We watched The Disaster Artist. Uh, Disaster Artist, yep. Movie based on a biographical book by Greg, what's his name, Cesario, something like that? Cesario. Cesario. Southern Cross Osterio. He was one of the actors in the room, which is notoriously considered to be uh, the best worst film ever made. Yes, and he's the best friend to Tommy Wiseau. Yes, a very nice guy, by the way, that they presented him in Disaster Artist. <laughs> yeah. It's about the making of notoriously worst film of all time, The Room, but mm-hmm. but also cult classic. And it's a, it's about the two guys that made it. Greg Sestero as sort of the main protagonist. He's, he's a guy who just wants to be an actor and he meets Tommy Wiseau, who takes him to LA and, they ma- and he wants to make a film together so that they can both have lead acting roles, essentially. Yep. However, Tommy Wiseau's personality and his real-life character, he is a very strange individual. If you the couldn't film... tell by the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if, you see, if you've seen the room, you are essentially watching Tommy Wiseau in action. He's not acting. <laughs> He's not acting at all. And I, I, I remember like um, when James Franco was talking with Tommy Wiseau about Tommy having a cameo in the film. They they had to sort of be very gentle with Tommy and say, "Listen, Tommy, you can't actually play anyone other than yourself. I hope you realize this. Like, mm-hmm. he can't be a cameo. He can't just be anyone. He can't just be in the background and have one line. He has he will play himself no matter what. Yeah, because he can't not. 
<laughs> exactly. He, no, he I, doesn't really understand what acting is, I don't think. <laughs> and the way that they ended up doing that was very interesting. That even though he's essentially playing himself, they do put him in a scene with James yeah. Franco's interpretation of Wiseau. Yeah, in a post-credit scene because, as Franco said, like it. There was no way they could put that in the movie and have it make sense. <laughs> because yeah, surely because if that was mid movie as like a somewhat of like an autobiographical look, it yeah. just would have been like, nah, this is you ta- you you are being taken out of it even though you love it. Yeah. Like it it is what everyone wanted to see. They want to see him on screen once again. Yeah. I thought that his cameo was really, really funny, and I'm glad they had it in there, even if it was just a post-credit scene. Well, this is how good James Franco is as an actor playing Tommy. At the end of the film, I needed to go online and find the post-credit scene so I could listen to it closer to my head, like closer to my ears, because I had such trouble understanding what the hell they were both saying. <laughs> I had to, like, fight, like, someone wrote a comment, like, transcribing it. <laughs> that's insane that that is in an actual movie where and people love it as like that's like the best bit it's like oh yay a, a piece of dialogue that we literally cannot understand because the accents is so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's 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 so funny what did you think of james franco's performance as tommy wiseau and he this is he won a golden globe for this oh okay i didn't know that yeah, you've got best lead actor in a comedy movie, I think. I yep. would hope so, because, yeah, he did excellently. You can tell straight away that he is a, such a huge fan, and his brother as well, to the point where yeah. they can nail the real-life people, even though you don't get to see what these events were. You just read them in the book. But the way that they interpret it is so on the money, where they clearly have done so much research into the way that they sound and the way that they act just around each other. Yeah, because... If James Franco had got this wrong, it could so easily be very offensive. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, jeez, like, yeah. If if a lesser, you know, if an actor who didn't know who Tommy was and just said, oh, he's this Tommy guy, this is kind of what he is like, and then the actor did his own interpretation, he would have been coming off like full retard, like in Tropic Thunder, don't go full retard. Mm-hmm. You never go full retard. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but yeah, I think another actor would have done a disservice or unless, unless you were a big fan of Tommy Wiseau in the room... He really nailed it. He got it perfect, I think. I think so, too. I'm going to play really quickly a, um, a scene comparison, if you don't mind, so yep. that people can listen to how closely uh, the voice matches up with Tommy's. Uh, can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Okay, so that was um, the flower scene, the flower shop scene that was from the room and the recreation in the disaster artists lay it over the top of each other. And I reckon if I showed that to my dad and didn't say it was two different shots being layered over each other, he wouldn't have realized. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked that at the end of the film, they played scenes from the room and um, Franco's reinterpretation or reshoot Mm. um, side by side together. It was really interesting and you could see like they really did go through a lot of effort to make it look exactly the same and feel like exactly the same. Yeah, definitely. What did you think of the casting of the characters that weren't Tommy and Greg? All right, so not having watched the trailer, I didn't know any of the cameos that would appear in this film. I only knew that James Franco and his brother Dave Franco appeared as the two main characters. I didn't know any of the other ones. Yep. 
every single time there was just another actor, I was surprised. Yeah, because, cool. Like, <laughs> there was Josh Hutchinson as the kid. Yes. Uh, Seth Rogen. Oh, yeah, I knew Seth was in it. I didn't know who he played, though. Seth Rogen is just, like, the script supervisor. Oh, that's a set. shame. That would have been cool just to see him show up and go, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> even, even in a, a real-life event movie, like, not just two people getting high on drugs or whatever, Seth Rogen yeah. has to make an appearance because it's a bloody Franco film. Yeah. <laughs> You've got um, bloody Alice and Brie in there. Mm-hmm. Real-life uh, wife of um, the small Franco. <laughs> What's his name? Really? Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, they are IRL together and have been together for ages. Awesome. I like that. Who else, who else was in it? There's heaps of people. Uh, Zac Efron plays uh, the oh, bully yes. in the film. That was a big surprise. Yeah. That was one of my favorite moments in the whole Disaster Artist. Um, <laughs> it's such Did a small know, role. Was he in the trailer? I don't think he was in the trailer, but I had seen the cast list you know, from ages ago and I knew that he was in it. But I don't think I put it together that he was... Like, I would have liked for him to have a bigger role because I really like Zac Efron as a dude. But... Oh, it was just so funny the way that it was like the first take of day one and it's Zac Efron just like screaming at a wall, getting into character. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow, you're a very scary guy. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, can I just say, I know that this is very classic hindsight is 2020, mm. but I, so it's very easy for me to say this now, but I swear to God, if I didn't know that the room was made so long ago, I would have thought that the kid was played by a young Josh Hutchinson. And I swear, <laughs> I swear if I were casting this film, he would have been my first choice. So when I saw that he was the kid, I was like, yes, they absolutely nailed that one. He looks so much like him. And, you, and when you put that disgusting bowl cut wig as well, mm, good yeah. stuff. <laughs> I really like the... So if you've ever watched The Room, it's probably best you watch it with a friend or something because if you watch it by yourself you just probably feel a bit weird um <laughs> very you, uncomfortable you, yeah it's it's <laughs> the first act the, the whole first half of the film is kind of really uncomfortable um but if you're watching it with a friend or something you know you can both make fun of it together yep and so we, we've only ever watched it together and we've only watched it once i think and we've never watched it with like a crowd of people and i haven't really read much online about you know what other people's reactions to the room are but yeah. it was really good to see towards the end of the film, they have the premiere and you've got all the cast and crew. They've come back to watch it. And they're saying all the same remarks that me and you said when we were watching The Room, like when Josh Hutchinson like, jumps on the bed with Lisa and uh, Johnny. yes. And he goes, what exactly is your relationship to them? <laughs> and <laughs> then like, we were saying the same thing. We're like, who the hell is this kid and how... Like, how does he know them? Yeah. And the um, the results came back. I definitely have breast cancer. Yeah. And then it cuts to the lady that said that. She's like, I don't know why I said that. It never comes back. Yeah, yeah. It is. It yeah. is yeah, you're right. They, they really captured the essence of what it's like to see the room for the first time. Yeah. Which A was sad other, as well, yeah. because cause Tommy was obviously very upset by it but then because greg's such a cool guy he made him realize that like this is good for another reason so go out there and enjoy the enjoy the fact that they are laughing so hard at this it was a it was a good message i don't know if this is how it played out in real life but i always kind of felt bad for tommy because he'd made this film out of his own pocket and then so many people nowadays are treating it you know as a joke yeah and i didn't know what he thought of that so it was good to see that at the end of this, at least, I don't know how it happened in real life, but 
Tommy Wiseau said, you know, he's really upset that people are laughing really hard and he thinks it's, they're all laughing at him as he's a joke. And then Greg Sestero says, the fact you can get a reaction out of this, like this strong of a reaction, means you've done something correct. Yeah, so, sure. And that's a really cool message. And then Tommy embraces that. Which, like yeah. you said, I, re- I really do hope that that was the real life rendition of it. Because yeah. if, if he spiraled into like a deep depression, I would be so sad. Because you can yeah. tell that like he very clearly cares about filmmaking. He very clearly cares about him being an actor. He's very passionate. He knows what he, he want, wants. Yeah. He wants to be a star is what he wants. Yeah. He has somewhat of a good heart about it. But I will say that... Even though I had saw all the promotional stuff for this, I wasn't expecting them to show him as such an asshole. Oh, especially yeah. like in in the later acts, like of him showing yeah. up late and you know uh, the old lady fainted because there was no aircon in in the set, and he was like, "What's she doing? She's sleeping. Wake her up. No naps." I was really surprised that they actually got Wise Out to like tick off on this because he's very, very secretive and very. Um, he just doesn't want him to have any more of a bad name than he already has yeah so there was there was like an unofficial um making of the room documentary that was made and he ended up suing i think um, because it showed him to be such a bad bloke throughout the filming process so i was surprised to see that they really do go in on that in this and have him uh, accept it and let the whole world see it because you've got no one's going to watch a biography about a movie if they don't know about the room so it would have been seen by like only the cult people yeah but because you've got the franco name on this a lot of the people like for me for example i only knew about the room but i would never have seen it but because i was so interested in seeing how this turned out i watched the room so i could appreciate this better um so so to get Wazau to have a big tick is very interesting considering now he's letting the floodgates open of new viewers to see and judge him yeah because what I, what I didn't know was, I thought this was just based solely off Greg Sestero's book, The Disaster Artist, but apparently they also had to buy the rights to Tommy's life story. And his his one condition for buying the rights was actually to have a scene opposite James Franco. It's actually in the contract. Oh, that okay. That's nice. He, he, has to, he has to have a scene opposite James, um, James Franco and it has to be in the movie. Okay. <laughs> so they're like fine but after the credits when everyone has already left yeah and apparently like he really took his role seriously they wrote a little short scene together mm-hmm. and they, he took his role really seriously like he kept calling James Franco up and being like hey I've got these glasses like um, which do you think is better oh, okay. <laughs> and it's and I will say as well like he was a good actor in that last scene like it all it all cut and flowed together well and you, yeah. except for the fact that his accent is so difficult to listen to it was yeah. um he performed well in that scene so it's good yeah. to see that he cared for it enough yeah um something i didn't know about going to this movie was just the whole tone of it i thought cuz i thought this was fully funded and produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg like it was just one of their ones mm-hmm. but if, and so I thought I was expecting it to be because I knew there were going to be cameos and stuff from you know that usual group of friends. And so I was expecting like a full-on romp, just you know, joke per minute sort of thing, crazy you know slapstick stuff like in Neighbours or things like that. Sure. But it it is kind of, it is more of a serious movie. It's funny because not because they're you know they're adding jokes everywhere, but just because Tommy Wiseau is such a like he's just a funny guy. Yeah. Like. It, well, it would be impossible to adapt this book without making it a comedy. Yeah. If you took Wiseau out of it 
and they left it the same, um, it wouldn't be that much of a funny movie. They didn't try to add too many jokes or anything. They just, they just did what you know what happened, and that was funny because it was funny because yeah. you know everything the whole. The whole nature of the making of the room is just ridiculous. Yeah, if you take away Wiseau and it's and it's the shots of him forgetting his line every two seconds, it's like kind of sad. But with him, it's a little bit funnier, and it's that makes the drama aspect even more like hard hitting when he does like end up getting into a fight with Greg because you you know if it was just a whatever character by played by a whatever actor, it wouldn't have had that effect. Yeah, all of the and all of the characters in it aren't. You know, wink, wink. At, I'm Seth Rogen. Ha 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 ha. Or no, hang on. Can you please do that again? But Seth Rogen's actual <laughs> laugh. Oh no. Um, wink, wink. I'm Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> I said Seth Rogen, not Goofy. I don't know how to do a Seth Rogen. <laughs> no, laugh. It, it is very close to that. <laughs> oh wow! Look at the cameo. Wink, wink. I'm the cameo. Ha ha. You know who I am in real life. Yeah. Like they are actually playing characters, and not you know, winking to the camera, breaking any fourth walls or anything. So it's, I really respected that. And they, the movie did take itself seriously enough. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I thought it had just the right amount of heart. And that was because of Franco, the both Franco's doing, you can tell that they're very much involved with these, these people. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was, this was just like me going into it, not, not, not having seen anything about this movie. I thought it would be like a mockumentary, sort of like pieces to camera and, Lots of handheld, uh, you know, camera movement. Yep. And it was kind of the like, I think just like regular shots were handheld, but there was no like um, interviews with people or anything like that. Yeah. So that was that was interesting to see. I think it. I think it was a good balance, though. Yeah, it I was, think it yeah. benefited better from being a more traditional Hollywood movie. Yeah, it was. It was. It's like kind of a making of. Did you end up watching the trailers after the film? No, I, I haven't watched the trailers. So, tell me what was in the trailers. The trailers, they, there was kind of a trailer per um, tone of the film. So, okay, um, I think like the first thing that came out of it was the scene in which Tommy Wiseau can't say that I did not line without forgetting it a hundred times first. And Seth Rogen oh, yeah. cheering at the end of them all going, yes, when he finally says, what, four lines in a row? Sure. Um. So that's my first interpretation of this was that it was going to be very funny, just like you said. Um, but then the the subsequent ones where they're more of like a theatrical trailer rather than, than just a clip had more of that drama heart aspect of it where, you know, it had like Tommy Wiseau is, it, uh, sorry, Dave Franco is blah, blah, blah. And it was very kind of like Oscar-y in a way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but... Something I didn't super like about the trailers is that they did use a lot of the very funny moments, uh, uh, which was a shame because I really enjoyed a lot of... Like, there were moments in this film that I actually laughed out loud very heavily at, especially in the first (laughs) half when you just do not understand who this Tommy person is. And the more that he says, the more you're just going, what?! Honestly, (laughs) what is this guy's deal? There was a couple of funny bits. I'm trying to think of one. Um, Now, what was was said when the mother, uh, Dave Franco's... That's right. Oh, sorry. Greg's mother meets Tommy. Yeah. um, It was... She she's convinced that this that Tommy Wiseau is some like creepo person that's taking her son away. Yeah. So she puts her head in the car and looks at him and just goes, 
how old are you? And he goes, oh, uh, Greg's age. And she goes, you're 19? And then he just like looks and smiles and nods. And then she goes, huh, yeah, well, I just turned 14 last week. And he was like, yeah. happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in the trailer. And it was so funny when I saw it in the trailer. But it did, it did take away that moment in the actual uh, seeing it. Oh, okay, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was one of the funniest jokes. Yeah, no, it definitely <laughs> was. It definitely was. Because it just spoke to his character so well, where he just doesn't... He doesn't really listen to people, and he just takes everyone very kind of literally. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to actually quickly look up to see what another funny bit that was spoiled in the trailer was. Because yeah. there was another one that was, like, really excellent. Oh, um, actually, before I look it up, I just did think of another one where... Seth Rogen is like, wow, the set of the alleyway in here looks a lot like the actual alleyway outside. Oh, yeah. And then Tommy Wiseau is like, like, yeah, well, why don't we just film outside then? Come on, it's a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> like he we just do it inside. Yeah, he just can't <laughs> understand that it's not just about being simple, but he wants to go all out. Um, and also one of the other bits that they spoiled in the trailer was um, when Tommy Wiseau was giving an audition. And um, she was like, do I hear an accent there? Where is this accent coming from? Can yeah. we do it without an accent, please? And then he speaks so quietly, it's barely legible. Uh, that was another funny moment as well, which unfortunately, you know, this is a movie that is obviously going to be seen by the people that are cult followers. But if you don't know anything about the room, you're watching this going, what the hell are they talking yeah. about? <laughs> they are going to have to play up the fact that we do want the typical Franco and Seth Rogen fans to come see it. So it's just yeah, a shame. Yeah. It's just a they've shame. Got to, they've got to put all the, as many faces in the trailer as possible to, to sell it to the average person. But it, yeah, what they should do, if, they've, if, if you've got to get, include jokes... At least space them out. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I haven't seen the trailer. I don't know if they did this, but like, you've got to space the jokes out so that you know, if you use the first three best jokes from the first bit of the movie and you put them in the trailer, then when people start watching the movie, they're just going to think, ah, I've seen all this. Yeah, yeah. But but if you space them out, you know, you put you take a joke from the start, joke from the middle act, joke from the end. You'll just have to skip those ones when it comes to the movie. You'll just la- laugh a bit less. Yeah, for sure. And th- yeah. they are funny enough that you will you will laugh in the theater if you were to see it, especially yeah. the uh, the fourteen year old joke. Um, but I, I will also say that like I am being a bit of a downer on the trailer. It did make me go, oh god, I need to watch this. I'm so excited. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard a lot of people looked at it and they thought, yes, absolutely, yes. Even people that haven't seen the room. Yeah, exactly. And like it, and it shows a lot of the you know uh, there's audio taken from the scene where Tommy and Greg are just playing football and the cameras are on on them and Greg starts saying, like, how old are you? Where do you get the money from? Where are you from? So they do show, like, that kind of dynamic in there as well. Right. It's not just joke after joke. They do show the uh, the drama aspect pretty yeah. well. I, I thought it, at the end of the day, like, it's interesting that, um, like, the movie, the plot itself is kind of formulaic, you know, two best friends, there's a falling out, but it all works out in the end. Mm, Brian Cranston's in there. You know, it's all part of the formula. Yeah. <laughs> you add a, add a healthy dose of Brian Cranston to your formula <laughs> and you have a you have an all right movie. But, like, it still managed to feel original because it, it was just really odd. The subject matter of the film, you know, it's a making of a film, but the, the dude making it is just so odd. But he everyone wants to just keep working with him because he's, he's got the money to make it happen. 
Yeah. So it's yep. just, it's it's a great theme, even if the plot is just still basic, and it shows that basic storytelling can still work. You just got to have a cool story to tell. Do you know if Tommy Wiseau has ever said where he's from or where he got the money from or anything like that? Has he ever come out and said anything about that? I believe they know where he's from. I think... That's the least valuable information of the whole thing. I know. I don't want to know where he's from. I want to know where he gets the money. Yeah, that's what everyone is saying. Okay, here's what it says on Wikipedia. Okay. Wiseau remains private about the details of his personal and family life. In 2017... He told Entertainment Weekly, I think private life should be private life. The professional life should be the professional life. And that's where I stand. I Hang on, can you right do that do again that. in Tommy's voice, please? <laughs> I think private life should be private life. The professional life should be professional life. And that's where I stand. And I have right to do that. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> Hang During on, is that, any- is that the very beginning of the Wikipedia article? That's not tucked away in the personal life area, is it? That is on the personal life area of Wikipedia, yeah. Oh, okay. But, like, does it say Tommy Wiseau is an American actor and then that says, like, his age in the top <laughs> sentence or anything like that? It just says American actor and filmmaker. Wow. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they really don't know. If it's not the first thing that they're talking about, they do not know. What if he is from New Orleans and that's just how he speaks? Yeah, sure. It could, it could be. <laughs> Yeah. And maybe that's why he's so baffled by the mystery, because he's just saying the truth this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, apparent, and the only other bit in personal life is during a 2016 interview with James Franco, Wiseau referred to Greg Sisteria as his best friend. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's so cute to be in your personal life Wikipedia yeah. part. I hope when I'm famous enough, it'll be like, you know... Scott Martin's favourite colour is this, and favourite number is this. Like, that's the interesting tidbits of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know he actually has an, a TV show, Tommy does? Scott Martin's fav- best friend is not Oliver Deer. I <laughs> got him. Uh, what do you mean a TV yeah, show? So Tommy Wiseau has a TV show called The Neighbours, written, directed, produced, and starring himself. No way, he's done it again. It made in 2015, but apparently... It's not the same. Oh. But he is wearing a blonde wig. Is it a sequel to the Seth Rogen and Zac Efron-led <laughs> Neighbours? Is that how yeah. they all come together? This is the TV spin-off. Oh, good. <laughs> I really hope Tommy Wiseau plays like the Zac Efron character where he's just like super hot and tank and he's got all parties happening all the time and he writes <laughs> that self. Well, I was going to say um, some information about Tommy Wiseau's next project, but that is a movie and I don't want to spoil that for you as an ignorant oh, boy. I, I know about... It's made by Greg Sestero more than Tommy. Yeah. But it just has it has Tommy in it. Yes. And they're best friends on a road trip. I just... It's perfect, isn't it? And they get muddled up into some kind of intrigue, mystery, drama, yeah. plot. Oh, it's... They're back. They're back, baby. And because... Apparently, when, when Tommy did the, the scene with James Franco, the cameo, even though they had written a script, every time they did the take, Tommy would say something else. Yes. So, yes, that is exactly what I want. <laughs> so, I'm hoping this movie, Greg's like... Okay, I know who Tommy is. I'm going to stick to my script. But he can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> they really should just script scene one and then see how he reacts to it and then write yeah. scene two depending on that. Yeah, right. And go just, on. Yeah. So it's like a Dungeons and Dragons 
based it's all based on his decision yes exactly and that's how the movie moves forward <laughs> that, all right that's my dream project <laughs> when i'm that, that at least that would remove the continuity issues from that were prevalent in mm, the room <laughs> yes very much so Ah, oh, all right well is, is that it for our discussion on the disaster artists yes i do believe uh, do you want to give it a rating I I really liked it. I'll give it a, a HD. One okay. of my favourite fil- films of the year. Ooh, big call, even though you were struggling yeah. to decide whether it was a distinction or a HD just now. <laughs> well, it's it's one of, like, three or four films I've seen this year. True. So, I, I can easily say that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing. It's a HD yep. for me as well. Um, and yeah. trailers, you don't have a rating on that, but I'll nope. give it a... a a low distinction because it made me want to see the film it's just unfortunate that it had some of the funniest jokes in there but there was right. enough jokes in the actual movie to make up for the fact that they didn't spoil everything like there's some uh, some comedy movies are doing at the moment and this made me yeah. feel better about James Franco and Seth Rogen after um, Sausage Party which I absolutely hated <laughs> I just hated that movie so much was James Franco in Sausage Party? he would have been a sausage wouldn't he? he surely would have been a sausage <laughs> surely um, yeah it was, it was really well done. Uh, let's go on to another segment. This segment Peeve. is called Pet Peeves. Pet Peeves by Scott Martin, Chapter 1. I hate it when a um, like a techno nerd character, like the big scientist friend of the main character in any hero or uh, sorry TV show or movie, um, mm-hmm. is slapped in the face with the, uh, in English, please... Oh no! Oh. yeah, that's horrible. That and one. it's everywhere as well. This was yeah. my favorite pet peeve to put together because there are so <laughs> many examples of it. Of this just is something you can easily search like in Google in English, please, and it will come up with results. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, that's how I found most of this stuff here. Um, it's so condescending. It's horrible, and and it's primarily in TV. I will say, yeah. um, because especially for shows like um, CIA or NCIS, where there is like a techno nerd character in the yeah. roster at all times. So it will be like every episode. It's also happening a lot in um, shows like The Flash and Arrow that I used to watch quite a bit of that I haven't seen for a year or two now. But I've got basically only um, movie examples here. So um, let's go on a let's go on a trip. Of some characters that we love who are um, doing bad things. Captain America is one of the um, one of the loved characters that is very guilty of this. In okay. in the Avengers, well, in, in both the Avengers movies, there's at least three examples of him being ultra confused by Banner and Stark and um, and Maria. So here's one. I'll play it right now. Long enough to disengage maglev and that should speak english see that red lever it'll slow the rotors down long enough for me to get out stand by it wait for my word just let him be a nerd you know yeah he, he, now he... wait yeah whose fault is it though who do you think's fault is that should iron man just keep it simple does he iron need to man be should keep it simple because he's literally speaking to someone from the 1940s but yeah, yeah, exactly. But even like if Thor was there, Thor wouldn't understand that gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think uh, Iron Man has some uh, accred- accountability there. And he, <laughs> but here's he the thing needs with- to be, you know, if he, he needs to speak orders to his teammates and his comrades, he needs to get them out, you know, and make sure he's understood. 
And he's not being understood. He's being a big old nerd. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. And you're, you are right. Like, there is a cut down on this trope by just writing things to be simpler. Mm. Um, but it wouldn't be in line with the characters that people know, which would frustrate fans. But, like, with all of the examples that I'm going to show and all the examples that you'll see, the people are being overtly sciency, which mm. is a waste of everyone's time. Even though it's in their character to speak like that, you would think, you think that that would be smart yeah. enough to dumb it down. Do so, you think the writers think it's a funny joke? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I hate <laughs> it. Like, because I understand both points of this. You've got You've got the Iron Man here who's... Like who speaks like that on an everyday basis, who understands what he's talking about, and that's the simplest way of communicating what he wants. But I also understand the Captain America side of things, where obviously that's confusing for someone that's from you know that time period and whatever. So the only reasons they can just write that to be different and mm. not include that. But they, I do think that literally all the examples that I'm going to show and all the examples on all these pet websites that have examples of this happening it all is just because the directors and the writers think that it's funny but it's not it's dumb do you think it's also lazy a lazy excuse to pretend you know what you're talking about so like from the writer's point of view so like they're like oh i can look up a bunch of stuff and sound like i know what i'm talking about i'll like you know they probably fact check what um iron man just said then to make sure it like kind of makes sense in Mm -hmm. from a technical point of view but then because they know that... So, they want they want to sound like they're credible. You know, they know what they're talking about. But because most people don't know they're credible, they ha- then they dumb it down afterward. So, it's kind of like they're putting that in there so that audiences think the writers are clever. Yeah. Yes. Being like, oh, wow, the writers know all that. But they put that line in there afterward so that we know too. I do think that yeah. they're, like, there, are two, there are two reasons for that. Um, the first of which there are, like you said, they do love being the smartest people in the room, the writers. So they write it in and be like, ha look at us. And now we're going to dumb it down for you for like yeah. something like um, the, uh, the big bang theory where they literally have like scientists on the show, like fact checking all the things that they say. So it makes sense. Yeah. It's completely unnecessary because the point of Penny, the character is to go, huh? Can you please say that again in English? And then the joke is that Sheldon says something dumber, but it's not dumb enough and she still doesn't get it. (laughs) Yeah. See, a a braver, a braver movie or a braver TV show would have just left the first bit in the technical part and then carried on like everyone knows, but like they'd still have to rephrase it. So it's not so like overtly science, sciencey gibberish, but you know, they should just explain it well. And not yes, exactly not not to not to like numbers and letters that it's incomprehensible and not to black and white, but enough enough that audiences respect that. Oh, you know what you're talking about. Even if I don't fully comprehend that, I kind of get it. Exactly. Or like it seems exactly. like you know what you're talking about. Anyway, show me another example of this crap. Um, another <laughs> example is also Captain America, and this one is Captain America doesn't say in English, please, but he looks the word. In English, please. So, um, if you if you if you are listening to this and you want to see the disgusting English look that he does, I just type in the words "he's fast" and "she's weird" into YouTube. So I'll play it regardless. He's got increased metabolism and improved thermal homeostasis. Her thing is neuroelectric interfacing, telekinesis, mental manipulation. He's fast and she's weird. There's half a second of him looking yeah. in English, please. 
and she immediately jumps on it. It's like another way the writer's getting around the trope by still including the trope. Yeah. See, in that example, they could have just kept the first bit. Yep. Most people can catch a word in that science to understand. They said the word telekinesis. Everyone knows what that is. It's moving yeah. stuff with your mind. Yes, exactly. Right. There are, there are a lot of examples of... Uh, when I was doing the research today, this one was one that I unfortunately couldn't find. But there's a movie called Hackers from like 2005 or something. And then <laughs> the the, uh, the script that I saw, unfortunately, it wasn't a video, so I couldn't see it. But something like, um, hey, how are we going? And then the hacker's like, it's good. The uh, <laughs> the hard drive I'm hacking into doesn't have a password. And then the other character's like, in English, please. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> All right. Um, this one is from the much-beloved film uh, Back to the Future 2. Obviously, the time continuum has been disrupted, creating this new temporal event sequence resulting in this alternate reality. English, Doc. <laughs> that doesn't need to be English, docked, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Doc should just be smart. But Doc is smart. But, yeah. like, Marty is is an idiot but i don't think he's an idiot enough that he doesn't understand we're in a different universe because time travel is complicated and then he illustrates that on a i assume a blackboard to make it even more clear that is exactly what happens yeah <laughs> literally okay. he's at a blackboard right now and it, and it is like a now that kind of image is iconic of the yeah. timeline deviating so maybe they just wanted the meme factor to have that iconic image later in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Then again, Back to the Future was earlier in a time where even though that had probably been done before, the whole Eng- English please, there was no like online media or internet there where people were sh- were like making fun of the in English please. Yeah. So like they didn't they didn't know that it was such a, a trope in script writing. Whereas yeah, maybe, now the maybe fact they that Marvel started movies are still it. doing it. Maybe 1987's Back to the Future 2 started the trend. Maybe that's right, yeah. They're the, they're, they're the smart ones, maybe. They- <laughs> oh, Ollie, that sentence was too complicated. Can you repeat that in English, please? Uh, they think good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and this is the last one I'm going to show. Um, I've noticed that I, I've done this a lot in my pet peeves. Um, the last video that I show is of the Simpsons flipping the trope on its head and making it funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the one on the phone, but listen to another episode if you want to see that one. This one is called Homer's Triple Bypass. Homer, I'm afraid you'll have to undergo a coronary bypass operation. Say it in English, Doc. You're going to need open-heart surgery. Spare me your medical mumbo-jumbo. We're going to cut you open and tinker with your ticker. Could you dumb it down a shade? (laughs) (laughs) The Simpsons are always so good at picking up on tropes and making fun of them. Yep, Uh, early Simpsons for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say I watched the um the Simpsons movie the, the other night. Oh, and uh, it, literally every single scene is just it has a joke in it, and it's good. My favorite joke, even though we're not talking about the Simpsons today, but let's just remember this great moment. <laughs> is when is when um, but um Homer's collecting firewood and he's walking in the snow, and then Bart makes a clap, and then this some of the snow, like the 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 sound from the clap makes the snow fall into Homer. And then Bart does it again and even more snow falls under Homer. And then Bart, Homer looks up at Bart and who just starts clapping nonstop. And <laughs> Homer's like, oh, my boy, 
clapping for dad <laughs> and, then, and then and he's like lisa why aren't you clapping and lisa's like no dad is like lisa clap for clap for me america <laughs> or something like that <laughs> it, is, it is a very excellent movie and captured the yeah. spirit well remember yeah. that scene where they straight up showed bart simpson's penis yep that was weird groundbreaking sure <laughs> if you want to call it that uh yeah that brings me to the end of um pet peeves yeah that's a pet peeve done and dusted and that is the end of the episode mm, we did it again tell the audiences where you can catch us if you want to speak to us in real life sure um if you want to if you want to speak to us you can email the show by going to ignorance is this podcast at gmail.com and shooting us an email or you can go on to ignorance is this podcast uh on facebook type that into the search bar and you'll find it uh, and also follow us on twitter i'm posting some short little funny clips from the show every now and then now that you can find that on twitter.com slash ignorance is pod and uh, and that's that's all the ways you can get in contact with me or you can just slip into my dms yeah. yeah. Or if you want to find Scott in real life, mm-hmm. you can you can track him down by um turning on your getting him to turn on his location on Facebook <laughs> okay. and then having him send it to you. And also he lives at a uh, 10 Oh no. <laughs> Cl- Cloverfield Lane. Lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these boys they absolutely just did that. Anyway, right. Scott, we like to end the show on a haiku. Mm-hmm. And boy, do I have one for you today. Yeah, you've been hyping this one up all day. Yeah. Didn't well, I I think you're going to be simultaneously impressed and disappointed. Okay. Sure. Because it's it's not what you think, but you will also be very impressed. Okay, I I'm very right. excited. Let's go. All right, here it is. Mm. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> that, is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. Oh, man, I am impressed. <laughs> it's the, way that you just... <laughs> the way that you've done it to match up with the haiku is really excellent. That is the quote. It is a haiku. The whole thing is a haiku. Wow. I did not hit her. You must have been so happy when it worked perfectly. I was. I was. I was like, I was kind of like, is that a long sentence or would that fit the format? And it does. I can't it believe does. that. That, that yeah. is a haiku. Great. Absolutely perfectly. It, that That is proof <laughs> that um, Tommy Wiseau is an excellent script writer. <gasps> what if it's all haikus? Oh my God. Thing. Do you That's... understand life? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's seven. <laughs> the results are definitely in i have breast cancer <laughs> does it work high. maybe we gotta we gotta analyze this shit now yeah all right cool thanks for listening everybody goodbye everybody good night australia <laughs>